The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome to the Data Reaper podcast. I'm your host, Ridiculous Hat, and I am joined by the vicious dungeoneer himself, Zach O. Zach, how you doing? How you doing, Hat? Doing all right. We've had quite the Hearthstone news day. Um, I, you know, patch 20.4, the patch notes came out, uh, and there's more than just cards. So that's exciting. This is an iner- emergency podcast, basically. Uh, we're recording this just as all the cards were revealed, and we aim to publish this on the same day, within a few hours. So Hat has some editing work to do quickly after this recording, and we're probably never going to repeat this uh, cadence again. But Well, uh, we'll see. Yeah, it's, we're doing... I also am going away this weekend to a wedding. It's the first time traveling in 14 months, so... Uh, we'll see how the summer of movies and travel and cards goes because Team 5 doesn't really seem to be slowing down with uh, making new stuff for us to talk about. But happy at least we get to get an episode out just before the content lands so people can realize how wrong we are very quickly. It'll be fun. And it's go- it's going to be easy to be wrong because we, like, I am blown away by the set hat. Like, there's so much to process. I haven't yet grasped. Uh, all of the, you know, combinations that are possible with the new cards. So we're going to be wrong. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, and 35 cards in a meta as low power as this one. The, there's going to be some impactful stuff here for sure. Uh, so just to make sure everyone's clear on dates, uh, three dates that are important. First date, next report, Thursday the 10th. That's when you can expect the fir- first full report. Next podcast, Normal time, Saturday the 12th, so there's going to be quite a bit of space between this one and the next one. Unlikely that we'll be able to get in an early look early next week, so plan on it being after the full report. And the third date, the most important, uh, Zach, the first day that we published a podcast was May 30th, 2020, which means it's officially been a full year of the Data Reaper podcast. So listeners, thank you so much for that. I don't, uh, I don't think that we expected to take off so quickly, but here we are. Wow, it's been a year already? Yeah. Wow. It's been a very particular okay. year. Yeah. It's been hell of a year with a uh, capital H on the hell, but Yes. Yes, but uh this has been a, a bright point of the year. Uh, I've had a lot of fun and uh I'm looking for- forward to another year of this podcast. Maybe many years to come. I don't know. Uh we'll see. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, and I think that uh, the the feedback we've generally gotten is that Professor Zach is someone that people hope to to hear more from, so I'm sure that will happen down the line, but not today. No, today we're going to try and keep a brisk pace because we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to start off with old cards because 20.4 is a balance patch. I did not expect this hat. It makes sense now that we know that they cannot have the story of the second half of this uh, expansion be the same as the first half, which is Paladin, Paladin, Paladin. Uh, but yeah. these nerfs, Hand of a Doll, I, I think I kind of saw coming because... It was, so the most popular Paladin cards, the ones that were in every deck, were uh, First Day of School, Hand of a Doll, and Night of Anointment. Didn't think it was really easy to nerf Knight. Uh, Conviction and Northwatch Commando were a little further down, and, and Hammer of the Hour were a little further down there. Uh, these were in like 20 percentage of decks 
on HS Replay. But I don't, I definitely didn't expect first day to see another nerf. And Hand of a Doll, like, I, I didn't know if now was the time. But I guess now was the time. No, Hand of a Doll makes the most sense if you want to nerf another Paladin card, right? Uh, yes. That's the next in line. Because it's a card that every Paladin deck plays. It's very powerful. So it makes sense that if the previous nerfs did not work or didn't nerf the class enough, then the next one in line is Hand of a Doll. The next one after that would be Conviction. Uh, but it makes sense that Conviction wasn't touched because it's a new card. Uh, while Hand of a Doll is an older card and, you know, it's very obviously overtuned since the moment it was released. It's just that Hand of a Doll was uh, released when Paladin was struggling and it needed a lot of help and now it does not. So my guess is these balance changes are intended to, as you say, um, change the story of the meta. They don't want Paladin to overshadow the new cards. And if it ends up that Paladin was the strongest class after the mini set, then yeah, they're in kind of a narrative problem. Uh, so makes sense. Nerf Paladin, open space for the new cards to impress and allow experimentation. Uh, so yeah, I think I was a sensible decision. And and the, this nerf is impactful. Uh, first of all, uh, nerfing first day um again <laughs> well no this is the first nerf to first day they nerfed the rework yes. first day yeah yeah so initially it was a really strong obviously turn one play then it became a really strong resource card and that was too good because it's a they wanted first day to be weaker not just they didn't want to make it another twin slice where it would be still good so now it's no longer a great resource card either, right? So I don't know if it's not played. Might still continue to be played, but maybe it will be it will start to feel worse, uh, which is the intention. And then Hannah Vidal nerfing the health obviously is more impactful than nerfing the attack because um, snowballing in the early game has a lot to do with the health, and if uh, if the cards are if the minion that you buff on turn one has less health, it's easier to remove, and it's uh, more difficult to snowball off of it. Um, so that's a that's a good change, and it's still a good card, right? A two one, like compared to like loot hoarder, clearly better when it connects. Yeah. In terms of immediate stats as well as draw. We don't cut draw. it, but it's worse. So that's working yeah. as intended, and I think a lot of discussions that were floating around were talking about. You know, do you nerf one of the secret cards? Do you nerf one of the Librams? But Hand of a Doll and First Day were the glue pieces that went in all the Paladin decks, and it makes a lot more sense to go after these if you want the class to get worse because every deck was playing these. Yeah, so Hand of a Doll, again, that makes sense. If you had to nerf Paladin more, this would be the card that's next in line. Um, I expect this to... This could be enough. This could finally be enough. To put Paladin in a position where it starts to be questionable. Because now the early game is just so much worse. Like your turn one plays are scarce. Not that great. And your ability to snowball in the early game is worse. Um, basically your ability to seize initiative is worse. Uh, which means that if you don't have great reactive tools. I think this hits the secret Nazoth deck a lot more. 
Uh, I think Libram is still fine with this change because it's not as important to for it to seize initiative. Yeah, it could just theoretically fall behind now. Like, that's a thing yeah, that could yeah. happen. It could fall behind and run out of stuff to do. Because first day of school, with three minions, it felt like just your hand was just full of stuff to do for the first few turns. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I like this change. It makes sense. Um, open space for the new cards to make an impact. Uh, so, yeah. I think they just don't want Paladin to be the top class again after the mini set. Just because, you know, people are kind of tired of the of the class and, you know, even when it changes quite a bit, I mean, like it's still they the nerfed story it the first time, so we went to a second deck, and then they nerfed the second deck, so we went back to the first deck. Like, it's you gotta do something. Yeah, you gotta do something. Anyway, new cards. That's what's exciting. So let's talk about the new cards. And again, we haven't really grasped all of them, and we're gonna go along with it uh, as as we read them and discuss them and form an opinion on them. But yeah, it's a very, very fresh. So let's get started. And we're going to go like class by class here in terms of groupings and evaluating. We're not going to read every card out if we talk about a card. We'll, uh, that's a new name. We'll read it. Uh, but there are 35 cards here and we got a boogie. So let's talk. Let's start with Demon Hunter. Um, I don't really quite know what these three cards are trying to do for Demon Hunter. The Fell Rattler, which is the 3-man uh, the 3-2 three three with Rush and Death Rattle that deals one to all their minions. Like, you put that in Death Rattle, Demon Hunter. You don't know what this is supposed to do? This card is nutty, Hat. I know what that what? card's supposed to do. The other two cards, the the Sigil oh. and, the, and the Big Demon. What are these for? Okay, so... Fell Rattler, we know. This card is nutty. This is a swipe on a stick for three it's a good mana. Card. Yeah. Really good card for Death Rattle Demon Hunter. Um Sigil Summoning is also a good card. I mean, think about it. Like it's it's a two mana that a card that summons two tutus with taunt. I mean, this is so strong. This is this is really strong. This is two mana. Yeah, this is like a dormant for one turn. Think about it as a dormant minion for one turn. And I think it becomes clear that the card is really good. Um, yeah. As a defensive uh, tool, I like it. It's a good rate. Does I think it's also good you. for a tempo. I mean, it's for really in, good for, for tempo as well because both... For initiative. <laughs> Hat. <laughs> I, I'm going to correct you okay. every time. I'm going to do it. <laughs> okay, so yeah. I mean, summoning this is really good for initiative. Ah, oh. it's really good. Uh, because again, it, it's it's taunt. I can see aggressive decks playing this. Uh, it's absolutely, a rate, the rate is just too good to not to not do. I guess even if you don't, if you miss a turn of attacking with it, and even if you play it and you can theoretically get hit that turn, if you draw it early, the rate is too good. Two mana for four four taunt is a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, if you just think about it as a dormant for one turn, then I think it becomes clear the card is good. But Tormentor, that a drop, that card sucks. <laughs> that card's not good. I mean, Iron Bark Protector with like with a Nerubian Unraveler. Yeah, this is this is a bad now, card. Now it does say your opponent spells and not just all spells, which I guess is all right. Uh, I a big Demon Hunter. I don't think big Demon Hunter. Like 
we haven't no, had Big D no. Hunter. Big We've D had Illidari Inquisitor. No. And Illidari Inquisitor doesn't count because that's cheating. Because that card is crazy. Yeah, because it hits face. It has charge. Uh, yeah. This one does not. I, I think this one is bad. Uh, clearly yes. bad. But the first two cards are really good. I think both Fell Rattler and uh, Sigil Summoning are a good card. Especially Fell Rattler. That, does, that card is, does so much. Like... Yeah, does so much for three mana. Death Rattle Demon Hunter got some really juicy toys, and it's already a decent deck. So I expect it to benefit a lot. I mean, you can cheat this out with Razor Bore. Yeah, this card's really good. Well, this and the neutral. Correct. Yeah, yeah. we'll talk about that one later. Extensively. Uh, once we get to the neutrals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it seems like the Death Rattle Demon Hunter is getting a big uh, boost from right. these. But what about Death Rattle Druid? No, it's not. I don't, no. I, I don't I don't think I don't think that Death Rattle Druid is a thing. The card happens to have Death Rattle, but it's not it's not for that, right? That's so for another Druid thing. Druid has uh has beasts and nature, right? Like that's what's going on here. We have uh a taunt that reduces the cost of a beast, a beast that cares about nature spells, and then a legendary that makes nature spells cheaper. Yeah, so D so Deviate Dreadfang is basically a mound seller. But it's a mount seller that's more consistent. It's a mount seller you can uh, tutor and discount with Living Seed. And you can discount it with this three mana taunt, the Fangbound Druid, that uh, reduces the cost of it by a further two. So you can play Living Seed on five and play. The th- uh, the four three taunt, and you can discount the Deviant Dreadfang by four for the next turn. I mean that's pretty nutty. It's uh, pretty good. It's pretty nutty. So now maybe you run a ramping Druid deck, but we're back to the Mount Cellar win condition of just you know playing the Deviant Dreadfang and then chaining it with a bunch of spells, cheap spells that we have in a Mount Cellar-like fashion, and we always have comebacks, right? Because it summons a Viper, a 4th 2 Viper with Rush that just clears everything, or if it sticks on the board, it's a threat, and we can leverage that. Maybe we run Arbor Up uh, as well. So, yeah, this this seems to be very... The Druid set seems to be very um, synergistic around uh, promoting one specific deck. And I like that because it's getting quite a bit of support here. The one weird card is uh, Lady Anaconda. which Anaconda. Is, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I get it. Um, yes. This card is a little bit of a weird one. But the first thought is Celestial Alignment. If you play Celestial Alignment, then you play this lady. <laughs> uh, all of your spells cost zero. So you well, can play this with option. Spells. All your nature spells. Basically, all of your spells. Because your spells, other than the Cthulhu pieces, uh, all cost, um, are all going to cost zero. So you can play this with Auctioneer and basically draw your whole deck kind of thing with like Nourish and stuff. So that's the first application that I can think about. 
but uh, I'm not sure that's going to be enough to make that deck good. But it's a cool legendary. It seems pretty niche. Uh, and Celestial Alignment, hilariously, is an arcane spell. Uh, yeah, I mean, you hit... Most things are nature. Not all, but most. No Pride's Fury, no Moon-Touched Amulet, no Survival of the Fittest. Uh, but, like, a lot of the spells are nature. The the thing that I, I think I like the most about the uh, the new Mount Cellar of the Dreadfang is that Ironbark is a nature spell. So you just make a 12 health taunt the turn you play it. That seems yeah, pretty strong. You, yeah, like it's... And it has to be removed because it snowballs out of control. Like if it sticks to the board, it has 9 health. So you have to kill it on the turn you play it, but it's very good at just seizing the board with a co- with a few spells and then like if if it's alive on an empty board it's very hard to kill the legendary is more of a build around where you're playing a bunch of nature spells and you want to dis- uh, discount it to zero mana so i think it's harder to build a, a viable deck with it but it's possible like it could put something like a celestial alignment deck over the top but I really like uh, Deviate Dreadfang. I think that card is very, very promising. Yeah. There's something here, and uh, it's a different approach for Druid than we've had in Standard right now, which is Big Dumb Ramp or Gibberling. Yeah. This is more of a... Medium Dumb Ramp. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I think that's cool. Now, Hunter, I, I don't know what's happening with hunter i don't know what's happening here they got a new hunter's mark they got a new hunter's mark got a four mana one six that you hope survives for a turn for combat and the weapon like might be okay except it costs the same as rindling's rifle and rindling's rifle seems way better i think the hunter set just sucks i mean there's just nothing here I mean, give a, a friendly beast poisonous, okay. So that's kind of a removal, and I guess you can you can use it with hyenas to remove something. But so so it works well with uh, pack runner. Sure, but that's not the card. And that it's zero help. cost. Yeah, but no, I don't know. It, it does boost pack runner because it allows you to. The, but the thing is, you need to chain another spell alongside it before in order to summon the first hyena and give her poisonous and then and then it's kind of um okay so what did we do this is not really an aggressive card so you have to play it in a slower uh hunter deck and i'm not sure you have the the ability to draw enough to support it right cuz this is a low value card in a deck that's supposed to be resource-focused because you're slower and you're playing reactive. And I'm not sure that's good enough. And you can't really play this in Face Hunter, I think, because uh, I don't think the deck can get away with being this this fast. Or at least it's going to run out of resources very quickly. And this card doesn't help it when it wants to pressure, Right? It's more of a reactive card. And then the four drop is very questionable. <laughs> if the frenzy consistently goes off and like if you play it and then you wait a turn, 
then something good might happen. But that's asking a lot of a four mana one power minion. And you're not pressuring with this. There's no pressure here. Yeah, that's a that's a main thing. I don't think you can afford to to play a one attack minion that costs four in Hunter. That seems really difficult. Even if it activates, it's not that crazy. I mean, how good it is it compared to like Fiendish Circle? Like your opponent can activate it on their turn, and then the rush loses loses its meaning. So you can you can trigger this and clear. Like you trigger this play conviction or you trigger this and play whatever AoE you have at your disposal. So it's not that exciting, even though it, it can trigger some like even if it triggers often, like I don't think you want this in a in a hunter deck right now. And again, like there's no like we get a weapon and the weapon is worse than Ringling's rifle. Even though it's removal and reactive, yeah, but we don't have, again, Hunter needs a lot of support to play a resource-focused deck that plays reactively and prioritize removal. And we don't have the card draw to support it. Uh, that's my main issue. Well, I don't even think we have the tools for for a uh, slightly I mean, we slower. don't have healing. We don't have healing. We don't have we don't defensive have cards. We don't have beasts. We we don't have beasts that we want to hit these things with. That's the, you know, like what are we? It's just pack runner, and uh, and I guess this four drop, but this four drop is mega slow. I don't like this set these, at all. These for cards hunter. look like they were designed for an alternate reality where you can play guardian animals hunter. Uh, but we're we're not in that reality, so I'm just trying to see what I'm missing, trying to figure it out. Maybe you're supposed to. Give your augmented porcupine poisonous, and then like, and then you go in. I don't know. Seems kind of sweet, but also not the way you're going to win a game. Yeah, that seems very sketchy. I don't like the hunter set. I think uh, you're probably going to see more of the same for yeah. another couple of months from this class, which is unfortunate. But yeah, what can you do? Like, unless hunter gets like card draw, a real card draw engine that you can support playing zero mana spells with low value then I just don't see it. Or some kind of beast that there's a payoff here. Yeah. The Serpent Bloom is the card that has the best chance of seeing play because I can see a world where Face Hunter possibly plays this for a pack runner. But even then, it's a stretch. And they didn't print any crazy taunt or anything. Like, you want to play this in a world where there are a bunch of Void Drinkers running around or something like that? Um, and I don't think that's coming. All right. Hunter makes me sad. Let's talk about the next class. Let's talk about Mage because Mage also got an extremely synergistic set. And we know what Mage is trying to do or what they want Mage to do. Free shit. That's what we want to do here. Yeah. So let's, let's think about, let's look at it. So Flowcaster is kind of a crystal runner for freezes. Yes. Like so it works well with Flurry. You can discount it to uh, two mana on turn five with Flurry by freezing two minions. Which feels pretty intended. Like, that feels pretty clearly designed to synergize. Yeah, yeah. That's what it. I think it works for. And I guess if you summon a bunch of 1-1 elementals that freeze, that also works well with it. Um, and I guess with uh, Varden, it works, like, 
it would uh, discount this to zero quite often if there are three minions on the board and this costs zero. So this is a really good card if you want to play a reactive freeze deck, but then have some swing turns to see uh, to seize initiative uh, through like a zero cost five five. That's that's pretty good play. That's a pretty strong swing. Um, but I have a question on whether you can even play a freeze deck because you've got Frostweave Dungeoneer, right? That's that's a pretty good card. I mean, a three mana two three that draws a spell. Uh, several classes got these Dungeoneers. Three mana two three draws a spell at its baseline is pretty decent already. If it's a Frost spell, you summon two one one elementals that freeze. Then it becomes a really strong play on curve. Yeah, that can really stall the game. The problem I have is, even though the the floor of the card is okay, I don't think it's good enough for Mage because Mage has better forms of card draw. Uh, mostly, I'm looking at Cram Session, and if you want to give up Cram Session in order to support more freeze spells and increase the chances of this card hitting, then I don't know if it's a worthwhile payoff. Uh, You have to run a pretty significant amount of frost spells or like basically have almost the entirety of your deck uh, consist of minions and frost spells. And I'm not sure whether you can build a deck that has a really good plan and supports this package. Like uh, Shattering Blast. I am pretty sure. Do you want do you know the frost cards that are not Shattering Blast? Do you know what they are? There are seven of them, and probably about two thirds of them are terrible. Yeah, you've got Flurry, which I think is okay, and Brain Freeze is okay. Yep. And the one mana destroy, I forgot what it's what it's Snap called. Freeze. Freeze a minion if it's already yeah, frozen, Snap- destroy it. Pretty I think snap freeze is okay. I think it's okay if you have a critical mass of freezes. Then that card becomes like an execute light card. So I think it's okay. Sure. And then cone of cold is okay. I think cone of cold is okay. The rest are terrible. But I think in this deck you could get away with running cone of cold. And cone of cold has really good synergy with uh, flowcaster. Yes. As well. And so then I- ice barrier you definitely don't run. Oasis ally. If your no. deck is working, then your opponent's minions can't attack yours. And deep freeze no, costs you're not- eight. So that's pretty these bad. aren't happening. The biggest loss in my mind is devolving missiles. Not being able to run devolving missiles sucks. I think the biggest loss here is cram session. You can't yeah. play primordial studies cram session. So even though you can run a pretty decent draw card in Dungeoneer, it's a one for one. It's not like a big draw engine, and then you lose cram session. And I question that. Um, the one deck that I thought about that could potentially support this is actually Wildfire Mage. You can mm. run all Frost cards, all Frost spells, and Wildfire as the only non-Frost spells spell. So if you draw a Wildfire off of the 3-drop, the Dungeoneer, you're not upset, right? Because you got Wildfire. So you're playing this deck that runs all sorts of ways to stall the game, right and deny initiative through freezes and you have really good removal because you have a lot of things that destroy on freeze and maybe you play things like frozen shadow weaver as well to increase that consistency and then you have the late game uh package that gives you inevitability fire and ice mage i like it yeah so you're playing wildfire 
and then you're playing the the frost package to stall the game and allow you to get to, to the Mordrish turn. And you've got pretty good AOE tools, right? You've got Reckless Apprentice. So this is what I was thinking about. Like you're running the, the playable freeze cards and then Wildfire. You're playing the Mordrish package and you're playing a bunch of minions, defensive minions that allow you to get to that point. I think that's the most promising thing that you can do. But whether that's good enough, obviously I don't know. But clearly, if you look at the Frost spells, they support a resource-focused deck. They don't support an uh, initiative-focused deck very well. Like, you need uh, a late-game strategy to support a stalling package, right? You're running a bunch of removal. You want to run a card like uh, Shattering Blast, you better have a late-game plan. You're not playing an aggro deck with this package of cards. No. So this was what I was thinking about. Because then you don't miss Fireball. You don't miss Master Cthulhu. Because you have the burn through your hero power, your upgraded hero power, and maybe you run things like Venomous Scorpion that gives you a chance to discover. Maybe you run um, uh, One Maker. To, again, a lot of the one mana spells are Frost. That increases the consistency of the whole package, right? Because the more Frost cards you shove in, the more freeze effects you have, the better cards like, um, like the better things like Cone of Cold become. And you have the one drop that deals three. So you have really good AOE with Reckless Apprentice and the fro uh, the Frozen package, the Frost package. So maybe that that could think can kind of work. So this is what I would try to do. This is what I'm going to experiment on day one. That sounds interesting. Yeah, I can see it because the the idea of slowing the game down and then killing off board uh, makes a lot of sense synergistically. And if you can consistently leverage Shattering Blast, that's a pretty powerful board control tool. Yeah, but we know that Wildfire Mage right now is a terrible deck. Yes. Uh, obviously, this makes this very different. The playstyle will become very different because right now Wildfire Mage is kind of this grindy deck that doesn't have great defensive tools. Here, I'm seeing potential for a lot of good defensive tools. Like the fr the Frost Spell package uh, can stall the game pretty effectively and can beat things like Nazoth Paladin because you have insane mass AoE mass removal like imagine they play Nazoth and you just get them with Varden Shattering Blast that's like insane combo and you yeah. have so many ways to deal to just kill big threats with just very little mana so I think this could work this could this would be the way that to make it work and I thought I, I, I like I, I thought about it initially like mm, am I gonna play like an aggressive mage no this doesn't work and then late game, what is mage? What options does mage even have? It doesn't have anything other than wildfire, Mordrish. So you have to support that. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'm. But this this is a mini set that makes us think, right? Like this synergistic. It's interesting. I think that mage got a bunch of cards that are pretty cool. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Huh? Okay. They got okay. an ice set. A nice and I. So let's move on to paladin. But Mage is really interesting. Mage is the class, we didn't have much time, right? We did not have much time to process this, but Mage probably occupied my my mind the, for the longest time, relatively. Yes. These are three cards that were meant to be played together, and they made a bunch of other pieces fall into place as to what Mage was, was doing with the new Baron's cards. So I think this tells the best story. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it's it's interesting. I could see it not working at all, and Mage is just in trouble. But maybe this can work. 
I hope it's not too good because also if freezing minions repeatedly is really good, I'm going to be frustrated. Uh, but I hope it's almost good enough. That's what I'm aiming for. Uh, it, I, I don't expect. I, I think it's either playable or garbage. I don't think it's going to be too good. That's fair. All right. So Paladin, they got some weird stuff. I mean, they got some underpowered so- stuff. Let's be real here. They didn't get yeah. great stuff. Like, Judgment of Justice is a secret that's not very exciting. It's a uh, So this is yet another holy secret that we do not want to draw with Knight because we're not going to run Safety Inspector. Yeah, this is not... I'm not excited by this at all. I don't think this is a big upgrade on something like Reckoning. And I don't want to run Reckoning anyway. Yeah. So not excited by this. And the weapon seems like it's pretty bad and slow. Like you have to play things like, I don't know, Stand Against Darkness or like a Dudak in order to really get something out of it. And even if you play, like you need to play powerful things on curve and then break the weapon right at the right moment. And then I think about the weapons that already are in Paladin's possession. Sword of Fallen. We can, we light can of do the better narrow, than this. Yeah, Liberum of Judgment. I'm not excited about this. Party Up is cool. I will say the card is cool. And it's quite a lot of stats to drop to the board. Even seven mana, like five tutus with bonus effects can be effective. But the thing is, like it's seven mana. A Condemn just clears it. Uh Brandcore, yeah. if Control Warrior becomes good, it just, I don't, I don't think you you can get away with it. Yeah. And I don't see a Paladin deck that runs this. I, I don't think you run this in any Paladin deck. No, Paladin, it has so many good options right now that we're definitely not going to go for half a Forest Aid with some upside. Uh, like, that's just not what we're going to be doing here. And and I like how the adventure mechanic works, especially for the neutral death rattle, which we've already mentioned once and we will mention again. Um, but I think in this particular case, I don't know, you get a really good, annoying arena card, but I cannot imagine a Paladin deck that just tops out of this and it's like, this is the best we can do. Yeah, I think the best Paladin deck after the mini set will be Libum Paladin. Yeah. And it never runs this. You'd have to make this a Librum. So, but I'm glad that we don't have exciting Paladin cards to talk about because that class has gotten a little bit too much love lately. And these cards are, well, a couple of them are meh. And then Party Up is potentially cool, but not the most powerful thing. Now, Priest, on the other hand, Priest, well, I don't, Preset. Oh, holy crap, Hat. Preset is insane, in my opinion, because. Really? Okay. It's not, it got two card draw cards. Suddenly, Priest card draw is nuts. How you can play like Cleric and Dungeoneer and you raise dead them and you draw even more. Okay, like, but Dungeoneer is competing with Scorpid and we don't want to fatigue. We want our opponent to fatigue. And I think Scorpid uh, is probably better than Dungeoneer most of the time, right? I'm sorry, Hat, but no. No, not uh, this is not... Okay, so here's the thing. Current Control Priest doesn't want to fatigue. But it wants to, like, grind out the opponent. But what I'm saying is that now you have access to so much draw that maybe you can build a pre-strategy that doesn't look to fatigue. Like, why are we stuck in this plan? Why we, do we have to go grindy to play for a, to play a grindy pre-stack? How do you end the game? 
What do you do to end the game? Uh, I don't know. Maybe my big nemesis, Cthun, has something to say about this. Maybe if that. you have so much draw. No, okay. You're going okay. to run <laughs> a three mana two three novice engineer so that you can play Cthune? Is that what's happening? Are you under I mean, duress? Okay, so first of all, this is not a novice engineer. It's not just a novice engineer. Like if you hit Apotheosis, if you hit um, Renew with it, there's there's a there's quite a bit of potential in this card. And again, like cycle cards, when you have raised that as well they get more value because you could just power through your deck. So I think that even though the initial thinking is Priest wants to fatigue, it doesn't want to draw, it's going to be bad in the mirror. And yeah, these these concerns are valid. I cannot see Cleric of Anshi being a card that's just, Priest just passes on it. I'm sorry, but a one mana one two, even though on turn one it does not draw, this this... This kind of effect, a cycling one mana minion, is it's, too good not to. I'm down be with Cleric of Anshi. I want to be clear. Down with Cleric of Anshi. Dungeoneer is the one I have a lot of questions about because there's so many non holy spells we want to run. I think Cleric of Anshi is an instant include. I think it's a really strong card. I think there's a lot of value in the Dungeoneer as well. I think it has a lot of potential. I agree that Cleric is the nuttiest card, right? Yeah. This is the nuttiest card. And you're not expecting to play just holy spells, right? Like, we're not doing that. Yeah, though, I think that you could potentially, like, card like Shadow or Death, maybe there's less upside to running them. Maybe you'd rather run other cards or, you know, reduce the number of spells because you, this is a spell tutor, right? So there is sure. value there. I don't want to give up on palm reading. I don't want to give up on hysteria. I don't want to give up on soul mirror. And those are all shadow. Okay. So late game win conditions are difficult to theorycraft before you can actually test them. But I'm saying that pre suddenly now has support for powering through its deck. You can run insight, thrive in the shadows and these two cycle cycling cards. And you have race dead as well. So pre suddenly has card draw. And we haven't seen what Priest can do with card draw. Like, maybe it's not Cthune, but maybe it's something else. Maybe it can develop something else that can uh, have inevitability other than just grinding uh, opponents to dust. It just... I'm just thinking, like, these cards are too... Like, card draw and Priest is something that we haven't seen in a while, especially efficient card draw. And we can't knock it until we try it. I think there is a potential to move away from the grindy plan into a more um, inevitability plan. And the question what that inevitability is, even if it's not going to happen right now, the moment Priest gets a finisher, a proactive finisher, that's the moment where Dungeoneer will suddenly become auto-include, I think. Right now, it doesn't seem to be that case. Right now, you look at Scorpid and say, oh, Scorpid's better, but... With Ray's Dead and cards like Thrive and Insight, you can start... You have a shell card draw engine that can support a combo deck, like a Lifesteal Demon Hunter type of deck. So we'll see what happens. We don't have that finisher, but I think that card will be very impactful down the road eventually. Down the road, I agree. And I think of Dungeoneer as a card that we will be running in next April after Sethic and Renew and all that rotate, and we don't have the same kind of generation? I think it's going to happen earlier than that, Hat. Yes, almost certainly. 
because this is it's a card that gets better when you have a big a bigger redundant pool when we have more holy spells to pull from and they're going to print more holy spells this year card draw is inherently stronger than generation you can't get away with that that's a fact card draw is it's better true. and can support strategies better than generation generation is what you run when you don't have card draw the generation package in priest uh supports the grindy plan priest is not doomed to forever run a grindy plan if it has card draw in this kind of scale it can do something else it it can find something else to do um yeah i've just been surprised by how relevant the poison on scorpit has been like giving that up is going to be hard it's nice it's nice but i don't think that scorpit is a card that's just you're gonna run forever and ever if there are no, no. and it's also gonna get options. worse as standard gets larger, right? Because the the pool will get larger. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying I want to run this with Scorpid and whatever deck I'm planning to run. Okay. So I'm not necessarily going to replace it, but I think these cards are gonna make an impact. Cleric of Anchi is insane. This card it's a strong is card. insane. It's a strong like card. I can see like like I can see like a combo win condition in Priest. When you're running like Raise Dead and Desperate Prayer, and you can just power through your deck, like you have a very cheap deck, you just power through everything and get to whatever finisher you're looking to have. Right now, the best you have is Cthulhu, and that's kind of a joke. But I don't know, maybe it's not going to be as funny uh, down the road. We'll see. Maybe Cthulhu gets buffed at some point. Maybe. And maybe. then, and then the, the, yeah, because if Cthulhu was good, then I would play this day one of mini set, right? If like let's say the Cthulhu pieces are four mana, I'm running Cleric of Anchi, Dungeon Here, Insight, Thrive in the Shadows, and I'm playing a, a, a pure combo Cthulhu priest deck that just powers through the deck and we don't have to run like Malagos in order to draw cards now. So I think that's a big deal. But Cthulhu sucks, so we might need a different finisher, this different kind of finisher. I don't know, yep. maybe we cut a <laughs> I don't know. There's there's a lot of options. It's just the late game finisher isn't there, but the support is starting to... This is a big addition to support a proactive win condition in Priest, and I'm really happy about that. Yep. Also, we have the weirdest card of the set, the only epic in the set, and the best name of the set. Destroy all odd attack minions against all odds. Love the flavor. I mean, Five this mana. is Wave of Apathy. This is With wave, wave of apathy. apathy, it's it's kill all your opponent's stuff and also your own. It hits your own stuff. So you got to be it careful. Does. You want to make sure you don't have any of your own. And maybe this is the reason we don't run Scorpion anymore. Dungeoneer survives as Scorpion dies. <laughs> That's kind of funny. But yeah, I mean, this is kind of a whirlwind, uh, Plague of Wrath kind of thing. It's, combo. Yeah. But I think it's better than that because Wave of Apathy has application. Maybe you run Acolyte now. So, so you have more uses for Wave of Apathy. Um, this is a pretty interesting mass removal option. And it's especially relevant now that Nazoth is a good finisher, right? So this is a good answer to Nazoth, uh, to big board plays. Uh, could be there, but maybe it's not quite good enough for the more... It is, it is far too weird for us to evaluate on this podcast. Yeah, it is. It is. It is <laughs> like, very... There yeah. are going to be some metas where this is bizarrely good, and there are going to be some metas where this is bizarrely awful, and it's not really going to be something you can see coming. It's it's just a 
it's a strange wide. This yet is a more passive answer. removal card, right? If you're running, if you're fighting for the board early as priest and current control priest, I, I can find it hard to envision running this. But if you're running a very different build, I can see it being very effective. So yeah, this is a tough card to evaluate. But it's really yeah. cool. It it also does not kill four attack minions. Priest weakness remains. I mean, priest weakness is just... I don't know. I don't know if this weakness is relevant, Hat. But again, Wave of Apathy. This You, you don't play this by itself. You combo this with Wave. Yes. All right. Rogue also got some interesting things. I don't really okay, know where so to start Rogue- here. I don't know where to start. Okay, so I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start. Go ahead. The stealth poisonous thing. Not excited by this card. Um, I mean, it's kind of supports a more passive rogue deck that tries to, you know, you're not playing minions much. So this when this is alone, this could be good board control tool, but it's not super exciting. Savory delight or whatever that card is reminds me of demonic a studies where delight. You, so. You took the Dreadfang from Druid. It's a snack now. Yeah, but the thing is, this is Demonic Studies level of card where you can do some combo disruption. You can. Like you can you can turn your opponent's Ilganoth into a useless minion. Or so, you can transform their Elusia. Yeah. You can do that. You probably never run this in a rogue deck. <laughs> or I I can't envision you actually hard running this. But maybe you generate it and becomes relevant. Um I mean I thought we were I thought what you just said is what I thought about Yoink for the entire expansion, and now like I'm thinking about maybe there should be a Yoink in my deck. Thanks, Muzzy. No, I don't think you want Yoink in your deck. I don't agree with that, but this this card doesn't seem like a card you run for a strategy, right? This is a very reactive card that you run for a specific uh, use. I don't think a stealth deck or a pirate deck wants this ever. Um, so yeah, this is this is what I see it being like a bad tech card. This feels like a bad tech card, but it is one mana and not two, so it's 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 far better than demonic project. Okay, but the best card, road card, the best yeah. road card is, is Shroud. The best road card is Shroud because this card I can see it being played in Miracle Rogue alongside Prep. Because yeah. now you can run Prep with Swindle and Shroud, and imagine hitting Field Contact and giving it Conceal and playing it. I've been imagining that ever since I saw this card. Right, this it's seems like. Filthy. Yeah, this could be filthy. Uh, and it really powers up the consistency of the drawing mechanics in Miracle Rogue. If you do that, and that kind of excites me because right now you're very, very reliant on the field contact change in order to draw your deck. And even though your deck is can be powerful, you ha- you can have these, you know, these hands, these Miracle Rogue hands when you have nothing. And this can really help you get something. More consistently again, but you have to run prep. But I do like the idea of running prep in 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 this deck uh, because of since you have swindle already, um, then this because and since it draws two minions, this makes it far better and more consistent. 
So yeah, whenever you hit field contact with this, this is nuts. Really nutty if you run field contact with this. Yep. And even just fishing minions out of your deck, all of Rogue's minions are really good right now. Um, I think this has a pretty decent chance of seeing play. I think this has the best chance of seeing play. Like you take yeah. Miracle Rogue, you take out the four worst cards, and you add prep and the shroud. I can see it. And you try it. Yeah. Now let's look at Shaman. All right. So I do think that some of these cards might read better than they play, but I am very excited for the Shaman cards because they all are cards that I want to cast. Yeah. So maybe two of them especially. So well, yeah, it's the Tunnel Frog <laughs> and the Card Drawer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Wailing Vapor is... Basically, a mana worm for elementals. I mean, this is strong. Like, if you're wanting... Like, this sham, This gives Shaman the ability to fight for board and snowball board lead. As we talked about in the previous podcast, this gives it a better initiative focus plan if you're running this card. Or even if you're playing a slower Shaman deck, it allows you to contest board. In any case, one mana, one three with upside and snowballing capability is really good. Um, I think that's very clear. Primal Dungeoneer is the nuttiest Dungeoneer. I mean, it draws two cards. Yes, there's a deck building restriction, but it's easy to 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 build around this. It's nature spells and shaman. It's it's two things. It's burn spells and it's lightning bloom. Fine, that's a deal. We'll skip Devolving Missiles. It'll be okay. Yeah, we'll we'll skip Perpetual Flame, with this, which is the third card. I'm fine with that. If I can run... I mean, this gives me Lightning Bloom. This is so nutty. This Like, I cannot see a Shaman deck that doesn't run uh, Primal Dungeoneer. This card is so good. Not only doesn't run it, but doesn't curate their deck around this being in it. Of course. Like, this is just yeah. such a strong card. I mean, this is this is basically Swindle on a stick, and it doesn't even have a combo <laughs> requirement. And it's a decent body for the cost. I mean, this is so nutty. 100% sees play. If Shaman becomes good, it's because of this card. Uh, Vapor is nice, but Dungeoneer is the one that you're really yeah. excited about. Um, Perpetual Flame is... Seems pretty good. Seems pretty strong, though it does overload every time it recasts. It seems like a pretty strong um, pseudo AOE effect, but it's fire, so <laughs> it's not going to see play. I think that every Shaman deck is going to look to run 100% nature spells, and they're going to be fine with it. Yeah, you give up studies and like the Doomhammer Shaman. Yeah, you give up uh, Devolving Missiles. That can be upsetting, but Dungeoneer is way too good not to just completely build around. And like if you're playing like a control shaman deck, maybe down the road, you're gonna run an, a small elemental package with maybe an impact full elemental that's important for your red condition, and you tutor it with Dungeoneer. This is so good, hat. Yep. This is probably the best card in the set. Um definitely best classic card. This uh, best card in the set. I don't Is it have... enough? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. I don't have a good counter-argument to what you just said, and I also don't know if it's enough. Uh, it is It is the card that I think has the most clearly beneficial rate out of any card that we've seen so far. Yeah. This card could be 
um, could have an impact similarly to Custodian in helping Shaman. Um, but I, I don't know if it's gonna make it. It's not gonna make it broken. But it, it, if there, if something is gonna make Shaman viable uh, right now, it's Dungeoneer. Oh, yes. Period. Yep. But Shaman's gotten cards like this before that give you immediate value, and it's it, they aren't always enough. So we'll see. When was the uh, last time Shaman got a card that draws two cards? Yeah. Ancestral Knowledge uh, back in Fireheart? billion years ago? Instructor Fireheart? No, this is not generation. This is draw. There's a difference. Okay. And Fireheart does not get increased the, the size of your hand. It's a one-time use. It's not the same thing. This card draws two. And Shaman, I have not seen a Shaman card that does that. Yeah, I can't remember. I honestly cannot remember. Uh, it's been so, a long time. Yeah, yeah. well, big right deal. because the example we used in the last show of shaman draw was cram session because we couldn't think of any shaman draw. Yeah, basically. So this card is going to make an impact. Yep. All right. Warlock. It's got a couple like got a couple decent cards. I still don't know what we do with these. Okay, so final grasp is like basically mortal coil. That instead of drawing, summons a, an adventurer. I mean, it's way worse. I would say, like, if you're playing a reactive deck, you're looking to draw more than you're looking to play for the board. But, I mean, it's good tempo if you can connect with it. It's just that I can't see, like, Mortal is not played right now. You, you don't play it. The reason you don't play it is because decks don't run one health, one drops. They just don't. So on curve, this is unlikely to be impactful. And the later the game goes, uh, the worse Final Grasp gets compared to Mortal Coil. Yeah. I wish it was more like Blood to Icker where it, it cared if the minion didn't die because that's much more likely to trigger. But that's not yeah, but what this Warlock more, this does. Is a more, yeah, this is a more Warlocky effect. If, if Final Grasp is ever going to see play, it's probably more likely to see play in like a Zoo Warlock deck. Yeah. Because you eat your you own know, stuff. Because, yeah, not just your own stuff, but you can you can use it on their minions, and it helps you uh, swing the board in, in the early game more. So I can, and you have minions to trade into, so you can like value trade and set their minions to one health, so you can gasp them. So I think it can work better in a zoo deck than a slower warlock deck. I'm not excited about this card though. Because, as I said, one drops with one health don't really aren't really meta. Maybe yeah. Knight of Anointment is the best example. It's kind of hard for me to think of other things. Wolpertinger? Uh, mm, I guess, but Gibberling. again, like, I, if you, like, I mean, if they play Gibberling on one and they start yeah. flooding the board, then... You kill one of them Gal- and then you die to the other four. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not really a good meta answer. So, and again, if, if I think coil is, if coil is not good enough right now, I'm not sure what's going to happen to make this good enough, but yeah, this is what I think. Zoo, if it ever, and I don't see enough, there's, there's not enough support for zoo. Zoo is garbage right now. So I don't see it emerging after the mini set. Uh, they didn't print any cheap warlock minions, and so zoo getting better is mm, like the shadow blast is actually not a bad zoo card. I think. N- no, I don't think shadow blast is a zoo. I think it's a really strong control warlock card. Yes. Because I mean, you deal six damage to a minion, 
excess damage hits your hero. So if there's a six health thing or a five health thing, this doesn't have a real drawback. And then you can, it can activate things, I don't know, flash giants and stuff, stuff like that. This card's really good. I mean, two mana and kill some mid-sized minion. Like, this deals with Hammer of the Narrow with the 6-6. Six, six. Think about it like that. This That's pretty this is, juicy. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's really strong. Warlock kind of struggles with tall minions before mm-hmm. uh, Siphon comes online. Like, if you have a four or five health minion before Siphon comes online, all your removal deals three. Mm-hmm. So this is the removal spell that y- the drawback is reduced when the minion is better. And so you just have yeah. your drain souls for your small stuff, and then you have this for your big stuff. This makes it far more difficult to play around Warlock's removal because you have so many damage ranges that you have to be concerned about. If you're playing too tall, then you know Siphon and Cascading Disaster come into play. Right. If you're playing too small, then you have the Drain Soul, you have the Soul Shear, you have the School Spirits, those kind of things. But now you have an answer to mid-sized threats. And I think mid-sized threats are the things that Warlock struggle the most with. And Shadow Blast gives Warlock a great answer to those. So I think this card is the best Warlock card and the most we're likely to see play. And I think Control Lock 100% runs in. It's just yep. very, very good. And also works with Tamsin because it's a Shadow spell. Oh, so it does. It's kind of fun. Yeah, the, the so, example I always used to give is if you're against a uh if you're if you're playing Paladin and you're against a warlock and you have a Northwatch Commando and a Righteous Protector and you have a hand of a doll, if you hand of a doll the Righteous Protector, Hysteria clears your board. But now if you hand of a doll the commando, then Shadow Blast kills it and your opponent has a one one. Yeah, I, I think it just diversifies the removal toolkit of Warlock and that's a big deal, makes it far more difficult to play around. Um, yeah. This card's good. So we said Gasp is meh. Um, Stealer of Souls is meh, I think. I mean, a four That's mana, a two, six. card. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. So, like, it has some. I guess you play this and then you tap. You, and you, you tour guy or something you... and then you tap into something gross. But that's that's a that's a Wilfred Fizzlebang. We've seen this before. That, that's an interaction. That's not a deck. Like, yeah. It's a very specific interaction where this is, uh, I think, best at, right? Tour guide into a turn for this and you draw something, but are you gonna guaranteed to draw something that you can immediately use for the board and, and press for initiative? I don't think so. So I don't think this is reliable enough. I don't like it. Um, yeah, I think this card is a little bit too too situational. But Shadow Blast is a big boost for control. Like 100% you run it. All right, one more class, warrior. Uh, I also don't, I don't know. know. I, I, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, so man at arms is uh, not exciting to me. Like, it, it's a two mana two three. If you have a weapon equipped, gain plus one plus one. Do we have one mana weapons? Somebody at Team Five really wants us to run spiked wheel. They want us to run spiked wheel so bad, and I don't want to play that card because it's. Not good. Yeah. I mean, there's no support for it, too. And this well, there doesn't is a really one attack work weapon, that- though. It's in this set. But Whetstone Hatchet. So I, I'm thinking back many, many years ago. There was a card that I thought was going to be a good card. Do you know what card I'm thinking of, Zach? 
It was no, in Mean remember. Streets of Gadgetan, Hobart Grapplehammer. And Hobart oh, Grapplehammer. Right. Yeah. And when you play it, all your all your stuff gets plus one attack. I think it, it buffed all your weapons. Plus one attack? No, it buffed the weapons. I think this is very different. I think the weapon... Okay, so clearly Hatchet works with men at arms. That was the intention. Right. Because no one's going to play Spiked Wheel. Yeah, but the thing is... It's a light justice. Yeah, but it also it strikes me as a rush warrior card, right? Because it gives you one attack plus one attack to minions, so it makes your uh rush minions uh hit for more and potentially trade for more. But is that exciting? Like no, not really. Well, and that deck already has kind of awkward weapon timing. Yeah, with Gnarg and Sword, Sword Eater, I'm really not feeling it. So I'm not excited by this package of cards. Like, these cards, I see them as a package of two cards, and they do not excite me at all. And the Legendary as well. No, the Legendary is the, actually, uh, the Legendary is the one that actually a little bit excites me a little bit because it's something you can resurrect with Saurfang. Yeah. And Warrior needed some high-value minion to resurrect. It missed one of those high-value minions that it can get that works well with Sarfang and Crash gives them like makes that package a lot more enticing in Control Warrior because now you can get immediate eight armor with your Sarfang if you resurrect Crash. So that's kind of cool. What I don't like about this though is that it's a six mana three nine that does nothing when it's played and the death rattle is even kind of a drawback. It's so awkward. You equip a weapon when it dies but sometimes you have a weapon in your equipped, like Sword Eater, or you're running Outrider's Axe. And it's such a strange weapon. It, and it's five. so l- slow. Yeah. It's just a slow weapon. I mean, it deals quite a bit of damage. I mean, it's 10 damage, but it's so slow. And again, if you're running a deck with Outrider's Axe, which what Control Warrior right now does, this is so awkward. To, yeah. to to just play. So this card is just seems I mean it's as slow as a turtle, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's I guess also, it's it's also works with Nazoth. Yeah, it does work I with Nazoth. Can... The goal here is clearly to bring this back over and over again. But it doesn't have taunt, yeah. which I guess is the purpose like if they expect you to res it a bunch of times, of course it's not gonna have taunt. And it's one of the few uh like named beasts that you could run with Nazoth. And if you bring this I mean, back if it had Taunt, this would be done. nuts. Yes. If it had Taunt, I would be all over this, right? I would be all over this card. It would be so good. Yeah, but it doesn't. If it, now that it doesn't have Taunt, maybe it's good enough to run in a Nazar Sarfang deck. Maybe. Maybe that's that's what Control Warrior is, uh, is going to look to do. Like, constantly res the, the whatever minions that... Because like, um, you have the Stonewall uh, Anchorman, so that can also be res by Nazoth. So maybe this is a Nazoth card. You, you run a Control Warrior with Sarfang and the yeah. That's what I would and, try to and do. And you could run um, uh, the the Quillbore, the 5-6 Quillbore. I guess so, though that one is kind of bad. It also comes back with Nazoth. I, yeah, it is, and it comes with Sarfang, I guess, but... You can run kind one. of bad hat. I don't I mean, know. In Control Warrior, you're playing a 5 and a 5-6. I don't know, that's not I, exciting Are we playing a 6 and a 3-9? Like, it's, it's, it's a really slow heal bot yeah, that gives but, you an awkward weapon. I guess, but 
You're know. not running Bulwark, a... by the way, if you have this card. You are not running Bulwark in this together. You can't. Yeah, this makes other weapons so awkward. I don't know. Sarfang, Nazoth, that's the direction, but Warrior, oh, this set is not, you know, it's not the... If I had to look back and think about the classes with the most exciting sets, it has to be, you know, Shaman, Priest, Mage. Druid, Mage. Mage, Mage is kind of cool, but I don't know if it's good. It's very but cool. I think the Druid... It's, yeah, it is cool. Yeah. But but uh, you've done that already, Hat. We can't repeat okay. the joke twice. We can't repeat the joke twice. Yeah, th- those are the classes that I'm looking forward to test. Priest, uh, Druid, Mage, probably they, like the first deck I'm going to play is uh, it's, that idea mage, with Wildfire. You're going to have like three hours to play it before it stops being good enough, so you got to really get in when you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, shaman, but, we've got, but, yeah. but we've got some neutrals here. Exciting. Got some neutrals. Yeah, the and neutrals are kind of at interesting. Least a couple of these are are really relevant. Um, so the first one, meeting stone, I think is pretty not great though. It does trigger at the end of your turn, unlike the caravans. You know what card this reminds me of? Evil totem. Okay. Oh, I can see that because if you don't kill this, this is a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's not as big of a nightmare because the adventurers are worse than lackeys. But this costs one mana and not two. And that's yeah. a big deal. So you play this on one, you get a turn two play, and if they don't kill this, you get more value and more options on on, on your later turns. And the, the adventurers are decent bodies. So, like, I, I can't envision a deck that runs this, though. Because this isn't really synergistic. Like, Evil Totem was synergistic in, like, Quest Shaman stuff or Totem Shaman. Like, it had synergies. This one does not have any other synergies. It's just a standalone early game value card. Um, And I'm not sure its snowballing capabilities are that threatening. But it is something to think about. I, I don't think this card is entirely useless. And when you compare it to Evil Totem, you, you think, oh, this this could be okay. So I, there's a chance this card can see play. I mean, I don't think this card is terrible. It's one of those cards that you just don't really find the deck for. And maybe that's why it's not going to see play. But yeah, you, you you could end up being surprised by it. Some, some deck will find it's, a use for it. I would be happy having this on turn one in a bunch of decks. I would not be happy top decking this in most decks. So the question is... You have to find a deck that has room for this that can go out of their way to get this that early and not be uh, too sad about the draw later. I don't know if there's I mean, anything like that. This seems really powerful when you go first. You go yes. first and you play this, you're very likely to, to get two adventurers off of it. And they Pretty have good. to kill it too. So it soaks yeah. up a hit. Really good yeah, with Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, I can, I can, see, I can see this working in some deck. Ectoplasm, though, that card, this card is nutty. This is an adventure spawning card. Yeah, this is a pilot to treader for three mana, like a 3-2 body and then a 2-2 with a keyword. That's very much worth three mana. Uh, And just a reminder, the keywords for the adventurers, it's the first Kazakus pool plus uh, Wind Fury and Spell Damage plus one. So you have uh, Taunt... Poison, Divine Shield, Stealth, Lifesteal, Rush, as well as Wind Fury and Spell Damage plus one. So 
So the thing I like about it is that it's very awkward for your opponent to like, if they kill it on their turn, this could summon like a taunt or a divine shield and that becomes yeah. awkward. But if they leave it alone, it could summon rush or spell damage and then your opponent can utilize that on his terms and that's awkward for you. So this card is uh, this card's gonna be annoying. This is another boost for Death Rattle Demon Hunter. I mean, I think it runs Ectoplasm 100%. Oh, yeah. Uh, you want Razorborn to poop this out. That's where you want to happen. <laughs> yeah. This is so good with that, with Razorbore. And But I can see other decks also utilizing it, like aggressive decks that you want to play something sticky and annoying to kill. This this one is, is quite annoying to kill. I actually think um, this is one of the cards that could make some kind of hunter that cares about death rattles actually okay. Mm. It's that deck oh, is missing can, a lot can, of pieces, but it's pretty good with lion. Oh, right? forget about lion. This is really good with uh, with Ruane? their one mana. Dis- uh, no, with their one mana dis- uh, discover. Um, oh, carry on studies. Yeah, carrying studies because yeah. you can play this on two. You play studies and then you play ectoplasm on two. It is also good with true aim. That is true as well. Um, so, I mean, obviously, this is going to be nuts with Trim and Death Rattle Demon Hunter. I don't know if a Death Rattle Hunter is going to work. Probably not. But, but yeah, I think this card 100% sees player. This is a great neutral. Because it's 100%, yeah. 100% sees player in Death Rattle Demon Hunter. So, it just, it's just going to be uh, quite powerful, I think. But but in any deck looking to pressure, we don't really have aggro decks right now instead of Face Hunter. And I don't think if you're going like full-on uh, uh, commit to early damage and then give up the board, then you probably don't play this because it's very much a board-based card. But anything even a little bit slower, uh, especially Maybe Death Paladin Rattle. Runs this. You Maybe could. Paladin runs this. I've heard like, crazy you're ideas. You're running a conviction. I mean, yeah, you're running a conviction deck. You want to be sticky. We were playing Egg and Terran. This right. kind of serves that purpose. That is true as well. Like, this works well with Egg decks. Maybe you, you do something here with Egg decks. Like, you eat this with uh, Terran? That seems strong. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this card is just good. I mean, <laughs> this card, at minimum, sees play in one strong deck in the meta, and but the ceiling is far higher than that. I think that a lot of decks will find use with this ectoplasm. We're going to see a lot of it. It's going to tilt yep. you as well, because uh, because it's... Uh, the effects are... Again, some of the effects you want to get rid of on your turn, and some of the effects you want to you don't want to pop it's, on your turn. It is still so much less variant than Pile of the Shredder, the original. It is. It it's, is it's far healthier than Pile of the Shredder. For I will those say of that. us that this were is... around back then, we'll be like, at least it's not a Doomsayer. We'll be fine. And you don't have or to put House. it in the, and you don't have to put it in the middle because you don't have to worry about getting flame tongue or dire wolf and looking like an idiot. Yeah, yeah. This is far better health healthier and tolerable than Shredder, but it is a good card. Now selfless sidekick is probably trash i mean i can't think of a can you think of an expensive weapon you want to cheat out with this card i really cannot okay there was a brief period very brief where a warrior was playing malkarok which threw a random weapon at you this is pulling from your deck instead of a random pool but the upside of malkarok was like sometimes you get something really big and usually you would get a three two or whatever it's we wouldn't play this if we were cheating. We would play this if we had four weapons in our deck and we were okay with a six six that pulled a weapon out. But I cannot imagine any deck where that's good enough in twenty twenty one because we played Malkarok in like twenty sixteen. Yes, but even if you play four weapons in your deck, wouldn't you rather draw them with cash rather than pull them with this? 
Yeah. Uh, this is so much this is so much slower. This is seven mana. Like you play them uh, you play cash on two and you get them. You draw them. Here you pull them, which is more powerful, but it's so slow because it's seven mana, six, six. This is And if you draw the weapons first and you have a seven mana weapon or whatever, like if you're going for a flame reaper, which I think is in standard. I think that's in standard. I, I just don't I, I just don't see it really. No. Um I can't imagine building around this. The legendaries though had the legendary oh neutrals. Narlax, I mean, this card is like for three mana, you draw you get dream cards in your hand. Yeah. yeah so yeah, this is very cards. this is a very this is a slow card. You play this on three, it doesn't affect the board. You slowly get two dream cards, but dream cards are really good. Like you can get the AoE, the Sarawagans, you can get Dream. Someone's can, there's gonna be a troll in video where this gets raised deaded multiple times a game and there are like five Ysera Awakens, and that's gonna be untrolled and like that's just gonna happen. Uh, yeah, this this seems like a really powerful value card for the early game. And uh again, it gives you there's there's a pretty decent chance that it gives you a really good option for stalling the game or blowing out your opponent, whether or you it's just a play big it on three or, turn four Emerald Drake go. Like, okay. Yeah, you can do that as well. I mean, that's really, that's pretty good. As yeah, I can see multiple decks playing Norlex. That seems like this seems like a generically good value card. Like if you're playing Scorpion in your deck, you're probably also going to look at this card. Like you, if you're looking yeah. for a value, then this card has a lot of potential. Though again, it's it's far worse than Scorpion when it comes to immediate impact on the board, but the. The dream cards are so strong compared to like just discovering a random uh, generated spell. And then we have the last card, which is probably the card that's been talked about the most. Uh, Mutants the Devourer. It's this card. This is a yeah. dirty Murloc. Hat. It, it a is. Dirty Murloc. It's a Murloc rat. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think this is the first time we have this kind of effect where it just eats a minion in hand and that's it. You cannot resurrect it. It doesn't go into like you you can't regenerate it. It just poof. It's basically Reno poof effect. We're just gone. And this card seems really powerful in resource focused mirrors in general. Whether you're yes. playing uh this to disrupt like like Try and disrupt your opponent's late game plan by eating one of their key minions. It's really effective in particular against decks that run Talon. Because you kill the Talon, you know they pulled their Alex, their Liadrin, whatever other late game win condition, their Nazoth, and you just give gives you a chance to eat it. Um Ticketus, Yasharaj, need I go on? A, a carnival clown. There's there's definitely upside to to playing this in a in a resource focused mirror, where it, it just gives you card advantage, and it also can give you, early like it also provide you with initiative because seven mana big thing like imagine you ate a Yasharaj, right? This is a seven mana fourteen fourteen. Yes, that's right? large, so, and I think that a lot of decks that are that are built on uh, control decks really aren't going to like dealing uh, dealing with this because they play such a high spell density and they deal with a few relevant minions and those are just going to go away. 
I mean, this goes into control decks. This mostly is going to go into control decks. Mostly. But you, but you uh, can't, I, you can't I, win with a Rattlegore anymore. This gets eaten. Yeah, I mean, again, this is this could be a, a key card in resource-focused decks when they battle other resource-focused decks. It's an Elysian, because right? It just, because it sucks against aggro and it wins control mirrors. Yeah, kind of like that. But it also gives you some out against combo decks. Like, like it can do some... I'm not sure how effective this is going to be against something like Lifesteal Demon Hunter because they have so much redundancy. Unless you eat the Ilganoth, it's not going to work, right? Because they have too much redundancy with your Arthur combo pieces. In Miracle Rogue, it could also be impactful because they have a bunch of key minions. The thing is, they also have a bunch of other cheap minions that that this can soak a hit, right? They can get eaten instead and then you didn't have an impact like eating, a, I don't know, a Guardian Og Merchant. But the thing is, you have to remember also that when you get to the point of seven mana, your opponent played its cheap minions, right? It's more likely that they have what they have in their hand are minions that are not cheap, are expensive minions that are important for their late game win condition. So this isn't as inconsistent as it feels. It, this might not be as high rolly as it seems, where you eat the specific thing. Because when we get, like, you're not playing Dirty Rat on turn two. You're playing a seven-mana card. You got to a point in the game where they played a bunch of cheap minions already to contest board and do other functions. So it's more likely that they have a Yashraj or a Nazoth sitting in their hand. Uh, and if you eat that, that can be game-winning. So other than that... In something like Control Warlock, this just goes in because it's a seven mana card that's pretty decent, right? And it gives them some outs and like matchups where they can struggle. Like Rogue, maybe you eat the Alex Raza or the Tenwu or the Jandis or the Kazakis, and that can help you. I don't know. Or you against Lifesteal Demon Hunter, that's a tough matchup, obvious reason. Or against like Libum Paladin. Uh, gives you an opportunity. Maybe you eat a Liadrin or you eat a, a Truth Seeker. So you eat Nizoth. That could be big for you in that, those kind of matchups. So definitely, I think, goes in Warlock 100% because it corrupts Ticketus as well. Something like Priest can use it as well because naturally, this is what Priest does. Current Control Priest likely runs Mutinous. Um Well, any deck that I think is going to, step one, want Control to get to warrior. turn seven. Step two, survive the turn you play it. And step three, want the game to keep going after that. Right? You have to be going for a real long game. And attrition-based control has really had struggle, uh, has really struggled to survive. And this is the kind of card that enables that archetype that people have been asking for. Yeah, this is uh, perfect for attrition-focused, resource-focused decks. Like, if you're yep. playing a very slow attrition game plan, you're playing for fatigue in Warlock, you're playing for fatigue in Warrior, you're playing to close to fatigue in Priest, mostly. This goes well into those kind of decks. Not sure it works in faster decks. <laughs> Maybe Miracle Rogue runs this with 10 wounds, starts eating the entire end of the opponent. <laughs> that could be funny, but probably a meme. Uh, but yeah, aggressive faster decks are not going to run this. But this is a big, this is like, an, I think Elysiana is a good description because it's kind of an, uh, it's kind of a card that's going to create an arms race between the heavy resource focused decks. It's bizarrely 
to make those decks better and also make them worse. Because if those decks are better, then they're dealing with Mutanus hits deciding a mirror. That's, well, first, that's miserable. And second of all, that makes the attrition decks worse, even though it makes them better against other strategies that are a little bit more threat dense or have particular win conditions and also better against combo decks. I will say that this is not just good against them. This could be big against any um, beatdown deck that has some lean towards resources, like a Nazoth Paladin. Yeah, or this eating Lady Liadrin. Like eating a Griffin. Yeah, like, I mean, Libin Paladin is basically a, a very much a resource-focused deck with an attrition game plan. Uh, the only thing that's not attritioning is the judgment. So this could be big. And, and it also doesn't have a lot of minions, so it doesn't have a lot of ways to play around this. So I'm not sure the application is just, uh, you know, Elysiana versus Elysiana in the control or mirror. I don't think it's going to be that kind of card. I think it's going to be stronger against a uh, a more varied uh, number of strategies. And what's interesting as well is that this card makes Talon worse. It does. That's what I like about it the most because Talon feels a little bit too common right now, even though it's not particularly powerful. It's just such a low-hanging fruit, and now suddenly, if Mutinous is popular, you may not want to run Talon because it just projects your hand to your opponent, and it gives them a much greater chance uh, to just hit the thing that they really want to hit in the matchup. Um, so yeah, I do like that, that it makes Talon worse. We did it, Zach. Under an hour and a half. Under an hour and a half. That's impressive. That's impressive. Yeah, but what we don't do is we don't read out the cards. I'd also like to shout out Hunter for making that section really quick. <laughs> yeah. So Hunter, I think, got the worst set. That's kind of a theme for them lately, that they, they have a couple like strong cards here and there, but also they've gotten very bizarre sets. Outside of maybe, I guess, Baron's proper, most of Year of the Phoenix was pretty crappy, and this set, as of right now, looks pretty crappy. The Warrior one also looks crappy, though Crash is kind of cool, so I'll give them that. Paladin is also crappy, to be honest. Crash is such a strange card. It's got... Crash has seven, six different numbers on it. Like, it's it's just the... Such the a, yeah, the numbers mechanics so are all over heavy. the place. So, it's so overloaded, and not in the Shaman way. It's a word cell. It looks like a Runeterra card. Yeah, <laughs> it's a Runeterra card. That is true. Um. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward. I think that I think this set is going to make a big impact on the meta. There are a lot of things that I want to test and try out once the set launches. Come on, Shaman, you can do it, Shaman. The thing is, though, Shaman, even though it has draw, it still doesn't have great targets. They no. they, they don't have a resource focused win condition still. Now the one drops helps. Maybe Elemental Shaman becomes more aggressive. And you can you can win through snowballing a board lead in the early game. Maybe you become an initiative focused deck that's effective because you have a good one drop now, and you have ways to reload the board. But I don't I don't know if that's still gonna be good enough. I'm not sure. It does help that you can draw bloom by request. It's, like yeah, I, uh, I, yes. I want a lightning bloom right now. That helps. It, that is. Typically and historically, that has been a powerful thing to be able to call on demand. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be interesting. Shaman has a chance now. It does. Much better chance. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this emergency episode. Uh, and uh, 
Yeah, it's been quite the day. Has gonna have to edit this right now and yeah. publish it right now. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go do that. Yeah, so big thanks to Hat for making the effort and uh, allocating time to do this on the immediate notice. It's when Hearthstone calls, we obey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, have fun in your wedding, whatever. Not your wedding. You you've had that one before, but uh, have yeah. fun doing a social gathering uh, after quite a bit of time. So that's it's gonna be refreshing. fun and strange. I'm looking forward to retreating to the Seeing Airbnb. People. And playing some Hearthstone after I'm totally like weirded out by being around people, um, but yeah. I am also looking forward to getting the chance to be around people again because it's been a long time. Um, okay. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, also, everyone that supported us through Vicious and Gold and Patreon, really appreciate you. Uh, and yeah, is that's it. So enjoy the mini set. Yeah. Well, report next report June tenth. Uh, we're not going to have a early day as impression podcast. Um, yeah, so you're going to have to wait for all the results. Yeah, it's it's uh, the window's too short here. Um, but you will have um, a report on the 10th, June 10th. Maybe there's another report coming before that. I don't know. Check out uh, the Vicious Syndicate Twitter this week for some updates. Ooh. And after that, yeah, and after that, we're going to have a podcast June 12th um, next weekend uh, as usual. Yes. And of course, as always, big thanks to Steven Sensei for the intro and outro, and we'll talk to you all soon. The Data Reaper Podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.